Hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome back to another great episode of Classic Elder Scrolls. I'm your host and fellow Tamrielic Traveler, Ivarwin. And I've got right here the one and only Master of Orcs and Exalt among the Pines of Falkreath, Mike, the Tamrielic Historian. No Master of Orcs. <laughs> well, Although I did find out. Mm hmm. You know, a very interesting thing. So, if you completed the, the Mid-Year Mayhem, one of the rewards for housing is you get to buy dead opponents, I guess is the best way to put it. So you can buy a dead uh, Khajiit, a dead uh, Argonian, or a dead Orc. So I got it home, went to put it out, and it's a skeleton. So all the humanoid skeletons that aren't Khajiit or Argonians that you see in-game are Orcs. So it makes me very happy to know all of the orcs are dead. <laughs> what? Wait, what? This is an ESO? Yeah. You can buy you can buy dead skeletons now? Like, was well, that an update it, today? It, it looks like it's supposed to be a dead body is what I thought it was. Because, you know, we're getting ready for the Witches Festival. So you got to, you know, decorate the house to make it look scary. Well, yeah, and uh, if you completed the Mid-Year Mayhem, the, the rewards you can buy for housing. And I'm like, okay, I'll buy two dead orcs to oh, put okay. in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just humanoid skeletons, you know, without tails or anything. Yeah. So all the uh, skeletons you see throughout Tamriel are now all considered dead orcs. They're, they're all dead orcs. So it's okay. Yep. All right. It's funny that they didn't have any of the like the the tusks on the the face, right? Like that. They, yeah. They lack the. That's what happened. Well, somebody the pulled their tusks. So yeah. So when we die, someone pulls our tusks off. We call them the uh, the dead tusk fairy. It's we use it to scare children. <laughs> anyway, um, it's Mike and I tonight. No, Mark, unfortunately, couldn't make it. Um, so, so Mark, we, we still miss you. Hopefully one day uh, you'll come back. I guess I guess he, he got stuck from uh, probably, probably a beaver up in Canada there. Probably got drunk on some Labatt Blue and got stuck in the middle of the road, you know. I figured it probably already started snowing or something up there, you know, and they've already been snowed in or something. <laughs> a feral beaver has prevented Mark from showing up on Classic. <laughs> this is feral beavers. I, if you're going to have a feral beaver, it's going to be in it's going to be in Canada, eh? Yeah. Uh, this is well, episode... the Canadian geese all live in New York now, so you can't blame them. No, you can't. You can't. I guess. Uh... Well, I guess I guess they're, that might be telling in and of itself. Uh, they got sick and tired of the uh, the feral the feral beavers holding them up. <laughs> uh, this is episode seventy four. Falkreath told the pines were roaring on the height. The wind was moaning in the night. What's that from? That's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, it is from the Hobbit, I believe. Oh. I never read the Hobbit. You should. <laughs> I tried. I tried. It bored the hell out of me, so I just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> How are you ever going to get through like the Silmarillion? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I ever will. I I read I read Lord of the Rings from from cover to cover, and um, I really only liked the Return of the King and all of the Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli parts of the Two Towers. Yeah, I find myself 
in that same boat where it's like, oh, now we will catch up with the continuing adventures of Sam and Frodo. It's like, ah, oh, god damn it. Right. Just put the ring in the fire. Every 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 Frodo and Sam chapter was was sort of like a, it kind of I hate to say this because they were they were good and by by mid chapter I was enjoying the read of of that chapter. Um but it, it was always just such a such a momentum break, you know? I mean the 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 adventure between Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli was was really awesome and um, done very well. And then you cut over to, you know, Frodo and Sam and what they're doing out there in the wilderness. And it's like, oh, God, man, you know, we were, we were on such a great pace. It was so interesting and, and, and great. And, and, and now it's just like, you know, wandering hobbits in the, in the wilderness. <laughs> and they're all good books and they're all great, you yeah. know, writing. It's just, yes. There's points in times where you're like, oh god, you know, yeah, the the the, the action in Rohan, the action yeah. that the Pelennor feels yeah. is amazing, and now we have to go to Sam and, and Frodo hiding, pretending that they're mini orcs, right? You I, know, in Mordor. I, I don't mean to take anything away from. I'm not. That's not what I'm doing at all. I mean, it's all incredible information and whatnot and, and fun, but it's just uh, it, the the difference between between the two like stories melded together is in the two towers is so stark. It's, <laughs> it's fun. Well, I think we're used to like modern uh, fiction writers, you know, where it's like a chapter is maybe five to 10 pages. Right. And then you'll, you know, you'll go to the, you know, if they're going to have a major break in the story, it'll go to the next group of people and it'll be five to 10 pages with the Lord of the Rings. Like the first half of two towers is the, you know, the legless, Gimli and Aragorn, and then the second half is Frodo and Sam, and it's like, oh my god, I got to sit through two hundred and fifty ch- pages. <laughs> yeah, it it got it got a lot. It, it got bad. <laughs> After a while, it did get bad. Um. All right. Well. Well. Hey, listen. This isn't a Lord of the Rings podcast. It is a Skyrim podcast, or at least uh, an, an Elder Scrolls lore podcast. So let's jump. Uh, let's let's jump into the the subject at hand here. Um, first, we want to let you know. Uh, first of all, thank you for, for watching, and uh, hello to everyone in our Twitch chat. Uh, if you want to watch all of our shows live, go to twitch.tv slash questgamingnetwork. You can always email us at elderscrollsofftherecord at gmail.com, and you can find us on questgamingnetwork.com. If you want to interact with us, Twitter is a great way of doing that. Follow us at elderscrollsotr. We're playing Skyrim today, and we are talking... About the history of Falkreath Hold. I'm like super excited to hear what, what you got to uh to present on this, Mike. Yep. Um but but first let us put our paws together for the five most interesting moments of your epoch in the two moons horoscope <laughs> with with my friend Jazzeltar. That's a huge amount of time to have only five minutes that is nice. <laughs> It's the best five minutes. Stretch it out. (laughs) (laughs) This one resumes his travel to Doom, entering the town of Valen Harbor. The town was overrun by orcs and redguards, but not for long. The main purpose of this one's trip was to find an Argonian, who is rumored to live there. She possesses the knowledge to craft certain items one might want for the witch's festival. With the darkening of days coming, as we enter the time of the tower... Let us see what the sway of the warrior's charge has for us. The great dragon Alkash will dominate the sign of the tower this month. Some see this as time for 
optimism, benevolence, confidence, and luck. While most of the people of Northern Tamriel see this as a time of malevolence, loss, and despair, this one cannot tell the difference between a Skyrim winter and the coming of the World Eater. <laughs> as a ruling entity, the Great Dragon shows favor to heads of state, heads of government, and aristocracy. And lucky for this one, King Emmerich and now Queen Irene show great appreciation for this one's talents. Someday this one will meet the three living gods and the Skald King, but not until summer has come to Skyrim. So, dear friend, carry a candle as you visit the houses and keeps this witches' festival. And as always, may warm sands be in your future. Ah, Jazzledar. The, the, the summers in Skyrim are both autumnal and too short. <laughs> they are too cold. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> So, um, all right. So, so we are here in, in Skyrim, in, in Falkreath Hold. Um, if you can, uh, for, for podcast listeners out there, uh, that is the, the battle music is, is all coming from, it's all coming from that. So, so do enjoy, uh, do enjoy that and, um, enjoy, uh, the history of with, with Mike. So, so tell me, tell me a little bit about Falkreath Hold here and, and, uh, what's going on. With, with this. So, uh, one of the reasons we did this is that uh, recently ESO came out with the Falkreath Hold Dungeons, and uh, we had a whole thing about, like, you know, are they placed in the right place, and, you know, what's going on with Falkreath, and where is Falkreath, and, you know, is it what we see in ESO? Is it what's in the lore books? What's going on? Right. So, uh, I said, okay, you know, let's take a look at, you know, what things are we find in the history of, uh, and, you know, spend a little time roaming around Falkreath. So the first thing is the epitaph of Bjardford Skjaldmor, the epitaph of the founder of Falkreath. Here lies the stone upon which this city was found, took the shape of a man whose deeds saw him crowned. Thrice he drove the beastly hosts from their heathen wood, so he hewed it down and planted this town, on this very spot that he stood. So he's a poet and he didn't even know it. I see that. But, you know, I guess with the Scald King being in charge, you know, that's to be expected, I guess. Right. He made it rhyme and didn't pay for the crime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the one that always gets me is uh, the Arcturian Ar 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 Heresy uh, by the Underking uh, Yzmir Kingmaker. With his god destroyed, Wolfheart finds it hard to keep his form. He staggers out of a red mountain to the battlefield beyond. The world has shaken, and all of Morrowind is made of fire. A strong gale picks up and blows his ashes back to Skyrim. Wolfarth adopts and is adopted by the Nords, then. Yzmir the Grey Wind, the Storm of Kine. But through Lorcan, he lost his national identity. All he wants the Nords for is to kill the Tribunal. But through Lorcan, he well, but raises a storm and sends it in his people, and is driven back by Tribunal forces. The Dunmer are too strong now. Wolfhard goes underground to wait and strengthen and reform his body anew. Oddly enough, it is Elmalexi who disturbs his rest, summoning the Underking to fight alongside the Tribunal against Adsum Dir Kamal, the Akaviri demon. Wolfhard disappears after Adsum is defeated and does not return for 300 years. It is the rumbling of the Greybeards that wake him. Through the Empire has crumbled, there are rumors that a that a chosen one will come to restore it. The new emperor will defeat the elves and rule a united Tamriel. 
Naturally, Wolfhart thinks he is the figure of prophecy. He goes directly to High Rothgar to hear the Greybeard speak. Oh, naturally, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, when the Greybeard speak, you listen, you know. Hey, they're talking about me. <laughs> this new emperor will... Okay. Uh, when they do, Yzmir is blasted to ash again, and he is not the chosen one. It is a warrior youth from High Rock. As the Grey Wind goes to find this boy, he hears the Greybeard's warning. Remember the color of betrayal. King Wolfhart... The Western Reach was at war. Colcain, the king of Falkreath in Western Cyrodiil. So this is where it comes weird. So according to this book, Falkreath is in West Cyrodiil. Yeah, so that's... it would be, you know, possibly in the Great Forest, you know, north of, uh, of Coral, I think, be the best spot for it. But, you know... So it's always been like that little consternation of where actually is Falkreath? Um, the king of Falkreath in West Cyrodiil was in a bad situation. To make any bid at unifying the Colovian estates, he needed to secure his northern border, where the Nords and Reachmen had been fighting for centuries. He allies with Skyrim at the Battle of Old Haradrim. And we actually get to see where that took place, which is in... Uh, White runs planes, so that makes it even stranger then as to you know, was Falkreath, which is north of the mountains, considered to be part of Cyrodiil then? Well, when when was this book written? Is there a, is there a date there? Um, I don't have it listed here, but it's one of the earliest books. The Arcturian so, Heresy. Yeah. Okay. Because here's the thing. Here's what I'm thinking. Maybe the Arcturian Heresy was was written. I don't know, like maybe in like the second era or or a little before, maybe even in the first era. Well, it would have to be written in the third era, because um, they're talking about Ismir. Yeah, and it's the coming of Talos. So, it has to be written in the third era after the events that brings us. Uh, um, you know, Galdi, Talos, Stormcrow, you know, out of that battle that uh, you can witness as part of the, the the Mara quest line. Now, is this before or after the events in, in Oblivion? Uh, it's going to be before the, the events of Oblivion. Okay. All right. Here's, here's what I'm thinking. Maybe... Um... Maybe there was some political lines that were redrawn between the time of this writing and what we see in Skyrim. I think so. It's just it's a strange, a strange way of putting you know it where it is. I guess yeah that the mountains you know because Skyrim the game the mountains produce a very um, natural boundary to the southern aspect of Falkreath. Yeah, and uh, when you you know even in ESO when you look around. You know, you've got uh, Craglorn, which has a, a, a mountainous range on its eastern side, which forms the western boundary with Falkreath. So it, it, it's definitely the kind of thing where it's like, why would it be part of the Colovian Estates? Yeah. You know, with this very natural boundary of mountains isolating it from uh, Cyrodiil. Yeah, it, it makes it so that, you, you, like you said, you know, you've got that natural boundary there between... Cyrodiil and and Skyrim where you know why would why would a, a hold that should belong to 
you know, Skyrim extend that far, that far south. But wasn't there also um, a thing about Talos and how, how Talos arrived to, uh, to Cyrodiil and remade Cyrodiil? Yeah, so that's um, not in this book, but it, it's one of those big um, controversies that, you know, what is the jungles of Cyrodiil and who wrote that aspect? Because if you come from a place where it's all desert or all ash fields, any plant life would make you think that it's a jungle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is some truth to that as well. Yeah. So as always with any of our um, our readings, it's all about, you know, the point of view of the writer and the reader. That, uh, you know, I can't imagine, you know, what the Sahara Desert is. Because, you know, from pictures I've seen, it's just a giant sandbox. Yeah. But it's, when you think about how big it is, it's as big as most of, you know, mainland Europe. Is it really? Yeah, it's, you know, stretches from uh, the Middle East all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. And most of the countries of the Northern Africa are part of the Sahara Desert. And it's like, geez, wow. you know. I never considered it, to be honest with you. And so it's the same kind of thing with this. It's like, okay, you know, it's always the thing that I've struggled with when they talk about in this book, where Falkreath is, as to, you know, seeing those mountains and being like, those mountains make a natural border, and it's part of the game of Skyrim. Why would it be considered part of the Colovian Estates? Yeah. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Unless, of exactly. course, like, you know, the author's, like, geography just really sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy, like, just knows nothing about geography at all. It's over there somewhere. I do not make maps. Yeah. What do I look like, a cartographer? I'm telling you an accurate account of history. Never mind where it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like uh, with the game Redguard, where you don't get a map until late in the game. <laughs> <laughs> what would you need one of those for? All right. Um, okay. So if we move past, you know, that book there, we move on to, uh, you know, one of the other favorite ones. Not really. Uh, Orcs of Skyrim, the history of the Orcish settlers and strongholds of Skyrim. Mm. Uh, so no pest has proven more resilient to the Nords of Skyrim than the common orc. The Tusk people claim occupancy of our fair realm, stretching back before the time of Ysgrimor, across the Sea of Ghosts. Uh, did you write this book, Mike? Yeah, I think so. Maybe the opening <laughs> line. Though few written accounts still exist of that time, there is mention of the histories of the companions uprooting orc strongholds even as they burned the snow elves from the land. The height of orcish power in Skyrim came with the establishment of Yashnag's chiefdom in the early Second Era. With the destruction of Orsinium by the combined Breton and Redguard forces, the orcs were scattered across the north in a great exodus. Yashnag and his people, exiled from High Rock, fled east to reclaim lands in Skyrim they felt were theirs by ancient right. The king of West Skyrim, Skyrim Zvart, was ineffective in holding back the orcs and the reachmen that plagued the West Skyrim kingdom during his rule. The chieftain was a bane upon western Falkreath for more than 30 years, until it was burned out by Harkdil Yashnag Slayer in the year 467 of the Second Era. So this is just before the time of ESO, so 
it might even be within living memory of some of the oldest inhabitants. Wow. Yashnag, huh? Yeah. Kirkfield uh, became Jarl of Falkreath when Yashnag killed his father on the field of battle. The young Jarl inherited little more than a crumbling hold largely occupied by orcish invaders from the west. It is said that he challenged Yashnag and a host of Yashnag's orc champions to a ritual trial by combat. He defeated each in turn. How Harkfield learned of this obscure orcish ritual is not known, but with the leader's defeat, Yashnag's followers abandoned the chiefdom. With the destruction of the chiefdom, the orcs settled further in Skyrim and back into the mountains of Hrothgar. Orc clans descended from Yashnag's people have an intense hatred of the kings of Skyrim. It's ironic that this enmity for the Nords has grown even as the orcs themselves have reestablished ties with people of Western Tamriel that burned their first home hundreds of years ago. So I think, you know, if they open up Western Skyrim, so this would be interesting to see what's going on there. I mean, we already see the Reachman issue being a real problem. Right. So I wonder, you know, if the orcs of Western Skyrim will be as much of a problem. Um, what what I find interesting uh, on this too is that there is no problem with with the orcs in Skyrim. As a matter of fact, they're barely even in Skyrim anymore. Yeah, I mean they've got just a couple of uh, unique um, uh, fortifications, and many of them serve as mercenaries. Um, some of them are returning returners from uh, the Imperial Legion, but they don't have a, a super like massive presence. I mean, you don't find wandering bands of orcs the way you find wandering bands of stormcloaks. Right, or or wandering bands of, of high elves. I don't find those anymore. They're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> I found one uh, earlier in the beginning of the stream, and they, they didn't fare much better than the ones I think in your game. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so I'm wondering, like, you know, now, of course, you you, you check out um, the uh, the the fact that these these orcs apparently, you know, they, I mean, there wasn't like a ton of them in in Western Skyrim at the time. That's not what they're saying here, is it? Well, it seems like they had quite a, a hefty chiefdom, which would lead me to believe it's more than just a little stronghold. I'd I'd assume it was, you know, a decent size, multiple strongholds that you know, swore allegiance to the chieftain, I would expect, you know, if they're as populous as, uh, as that book just led us to believe, that we would see at least some, you know, uh, stone structures uh, throughout western Falkreath that would indicate, like, you know, burial tombs or um, some other type of settlement that was lost. Well, we do actually have um, one one obelisk out there in um it's gonna be like on the border of these these three holds between white run falkreath and i think um uh what the pale no that's not the pales pales off to the east uh the reach the reach we have because yeah i'm sorry go ahead yeah there is their one stronghold out there so that makes sense um yeah, it, it's south of Markarth. There's a strong, there's an Orcish stronghold by one of the Dwemer ruins. 
Yeah, but here's, uh, here's White Run. Now I know if you take the road heading south and then west out of White Run, at some point along that road, um, and I'm 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 kind of like circling the area here on the stream. Um, we got Fort Graymore, um, so west of Fort Graymore for sure. Like somewhere in this large plain area here, or this large valley, um, you're gonna have that obelisk. And and there is a um, there is a, a I think there's a shrine there. to Zenithar out there near it. I don't if remember, I remember that. what you're talking about. Do do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, right in the plain, it's you can see the mountains to the south. Uh, you're pretty close to them, and there's a dragon mound to the to the west a bit more, and then you end up in um um. Little township there. It's like a keep along that road. It's like a large pillar with a with a eagle head on it, and there's like some weapons and 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 flowers, uh, whatnot. I think it's to commemorate a uh, um like a like a romance story of of some sort. Well, I think it's part of the the story for uh, uh, Mara, but it's the the huge battle that took place uh, um as part of that that story that we were just reading with the uh, the. Uh, heresy there the coming of talos okay so so that doesn't i i don't know for some reason i thought maybe that 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 monument had some kind of orcish ties to it racially Mm. i'm sure i'm wrong then um maybe it smells like orc that could be it it's been out there for so long it literally just smells like an orc's ass (laughs) 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 so maybe that's what it is but it, it, it is funny how apparently you know, there there was this this large orc presence out there, certainly large enough in order to cause you know issues in the area and you know politically. And and all you see right now in the, the budding years of the fourth era are just Dwemer ruins, yeah, Dwemer ruins and uh, Draugr ruins, which are much older than the civilization that the orcs would have had. Yeah. Maybe it was a small. Maybe you know, despite the fact that it was like a, a pain in the ass for for a lot of the inhabitants at the time, maybe mm. it was just just strongholds that they were building, and there was a lot of them. They happened to stick together real tight, and they were, you know, over time. I mean, you know, their wood strongholds are going to just basically yeah, just, they just disappear. Yeah, like rot away, swept away. Yeah, maybe that's why. Yeah. So if we move forward in time just a little bit. Um, we look at uh, the book, The Chronicles of King Kurag, book four. Zephyr Frey is the author. In the year, as the years went by, I was often used as an intermediary between King Emmerich and Chief Kurag. Because of this, and due to my ongoing friendship with the chief, I was privy to many of the most significant events in Kurag's life. And not only to the events, but also to Kurag's thoughts and feelings. Because he continued to trust me and utilize me as a confidant even writing to me when we were at different parts of the continent. But sadly, no, I never took him up on his offer to become one of his wives. Indeed, Krog didn't take a wife at all until later in his chiefdom. But that's a tale for another day. Krog spent a few years considering his power, growing his clan, and forming alliances with clan chiefs that were willing to support his goals and ideas. It was about this time that Krog revealed the details of his grand vision. I will follow in the footsteps of mighty Yagnash 
and march into Skyrim, he wrote me. I will restore the Orcish kingdom of Falkreath and create an Orcish city to rival wondrous Wayrest. While Kurag was busy to the north, King Emmerich was dealing with issues in central High Rock. King Rasnith of, of Shornhelm had declared war against Wayrest. Under a clandestine meeting with the king, I decided to make. I decided I had to make one more trip to stand at Kurag's side. I caught up with Kurag near Dragonstar, and his forces were accumulating in the mountains of western Skyrim. They were having a more difficult time of it than Kurag had anticipated. The Nords, racked as they were by civil war, nonetheless proved to be capable and courageous fighters. The pet to Falkreath was long and arduous, and the rocks and snow were going to be bathed in blood of warriors from both sides before the campaign was done. I sat with Kurag one night, watching the roaring fire when the clan chief opened up as he did during our times together back in elsewhere. These damn Nords, Kurag said. If they had a shred of decency, they'd put down their weapons and get out of our way. But no, the clans, they aren't fighting us that the clans that aren't fighting us to try to bribe us to aid their cause they don't see us as conquerors they think we're mercenaries I'm beginning to think that my Falkreath dream is going to be crushed by all this snow and ice damn the Nords and damn their foul mead I placed a hand on Craig's knee and said softly what if I offer you a different better dream and the authority to make that dream a reality Craig looked at me for a long time then he stood towering over me and demanded to know what I was talking about. Instead, I reached into my traveling cloak and withdrew a leather document pouch and handed it to him. He read the contents by the light of the fire, read it again, and a third time, and then he asked me if it was some sort of trick. I assured him that it wasn't a trick. It was an offer to help King Emmerich, and King Emmerich helps you, I said as the two of us talked long into the deepening night. In the morning, Kurg had a list of demands for me to take back to Wayrest. I was impressed. He was driving a hard bargain, but he was also offering King Emmerich the power necessary to end Rasner's war with one foul stroke. I told him I would get the documents to King Emmerich as quickly as possible. In return, he promised that his army would be ready and waiting for the Emmerich signal. But they would not make a move until the signed documents were in Craig's hands. And that is how the orcs joined the Daggerfall Covenant, and Craig became King of Rothgar. Hmm. So... Things could have gone much dip more different. Uh, we wouldn't have a Rothgar expansion. We'd have a Falkreath expansion. Yeah, really. I think we would have, you know, monuments throughout Falkreath if that were the case. It's interesting to see how, how a, a figure like Kurog... Um, With his K-cups of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> I'm K. <Kate> Keurig. <laughs> How about, uh, how about some coffee? Um, it's interesting to see how a how a character like him, who's just so like larger than life, I think is really like the best way to sort of describe him, right? Yeah. Um, really could have just never have even been a footnote in the annals of Elder Scrolls Online. Um, had had things gone one way and not the other, according to this story. Yeah, I mean, if he had continued the march to Skyrim, he probably would not have, you know, made it at all. I mean, from the sounds of it, he was losing badly and, you know, hemorrhaging orc men. 
Yeah. And, and instead turns around and, you know, marches back into Rothgar and helps uh, the king at Wayrest. Funny to think of that, too, because he was such a um, such a figure for for the orcs at, at Rothgar as well. I mean, they couldn't they couldn't when he rallied them, they couldn't run to him fast enough, seemingly. Yeah. And of course, you know, that story um, has, you know, an interesting Quite an interesting turn. Yeah. That was what Runil's journal. I uh, know that was uh, the uh, King uh, Krug's thing there. Uh, Chronicles uh, of King. Chronicles of King Krug. King, King and his Krug. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got Valdir over here looking looking uh, to to get to get a thing from me. What's what's Valdir here all about? He hunts out in Falkreath. Tracked a bear into the den. I'm about to walk into. Oh, that's a cool quest. Spriggans. All right. So we'll move on to Runel's journal. 17th of Second Seed. It has been a long time since I've written an entry in this journal. I admit with some embarrassment that when I pulled it down from the shelf, I nearly choked on the dust that fell, that flew. There is little to tell, but I did suffer another awful nightmare of the war. I suppose it is affliction common to many who must see the horrors of war firsthand. Writing about it has already helped me feel better. Second, 19th Second Seed. Received a letter from Andrus of Whiterun. He has invited me to visit, and I intend to accept. It's been a long time since I was in the city. My only fear is the Thalmor. I have heard that they and their agents are abroad in Skyrim, rooting out worshippers of Talos. I must be sure to keep a low profile. 28th of Second Seed. Return from my trip to Whiterun to find very few flowers have bloomed here. The rest of Skyrim is covered in blooms of fiery red and piercing blue, but only a scant few have appeared in or near the town. I'll make it my mission to change that. We could use some flowers to brighten this gloomy place. Perhaps I can take Telka to help me. Ninth of Midyear. Spent most of the day consoling Lod, who received news his cousin Grimstorf's death. They were quite close as youth, and Lod drank and talked of his childhood memories. It was touching, but bittersweet. The 22nd of Midyear. A wandering peddler passed through Falkreath today. I purchased a few sticks of incense from him. He was a nice young Nord lad, following in his father's footsteps. I think his name was Yelborn. A few days later, one of the town guards spied a pack of Karen birds circling near the road. He found young Yalborn's corpse, victim of a bandit attack. My heart is heavy, and yet I should know better. Life and death grow and change, the turning of the seasons. These are all aspects of mighty Arcae. I should not be so affected by the death of one young man, and yet... Twelfth of Sun Heights. Travelers pass through town, speaking of the land in the grip of high summer. These are the warmest days in the year, warmest days of the year in Skyrim, but not in Falkreath. Here, all is mist and fog and rain. It is always cool and damp, and the seasons have little meaning. Solof asked me about this today. He said that in a place of the dead, such as our great cemetery, Arkay's domain should be absolute, and yet Arkay is also the lord of seasons and this place seems untouched by them. 
I gave the best answer I could. I explained that Falkreath is indeed a place of great power for Arkay, but he prefers to keep it this way, solemn and gray. Hopefully, that was at least partially true, but who can possibly know the mind of a god? The 20th of Sunhite. Dreams of the war again, but this time something's different. I was leading a small band of Aldmeri battle mages on a mission deep into the heart of Imperial territory. We had drawn near our target, a supply uh, depot outside of Chadenhall, when the sky suddenly darkened. A great shadow passed over us, and there was a roar so terrible it chilled my blood. Something was flying just overhead, so huge and dark as to blot out the sun. The dream changed. Then I was here in Falkreath, performing a service for someone who had just passed away, though I do not recall who. From the corner of my eye, I saw a stranger approaching. I turned to look, but the shadow came again, and the roar. And then I awoke. Now that I've reflected on the dream, I cannot help but wonder. Was it a dragon? Why would I dream of such a creature? When I've never seen one. It seemed so real at the time, but now the memory is fading. What it means, I cannot say. Probably nothing. So this is the, if you're in Falkreath and you go to the cemetery, this is uh, the guy who runs the cemetery. Oh, this I know who that journal. is. And one of the quests is to go into um, one of the, the ruins just north of the Falkreath Hold and retrieve the journal for him. Yeah, there's a, um, um, yeah, there's a, a, um, a Draugr Barrow, not just right, right there in one of the, uh, the little, uh, in one of the, the mountains that's, that's kind of bordering that area. And I, I believe that's the one where you can actually go from one the north side or the south side and actually go right through from White Run into Falkreath Hold. It's one of the passage. It's one of the, the cool passageways through the mountain instead of having to go all the way around. From, oh yeah, you're right. Um, is that? Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, but is that where? I thought the um I thought that quest took you to to a a, a barrow that was on the south side of the the town. Maybe it does. The one on the south side of town though is the one for the drum. I thought for um uh, the Bard's College, but maybe it's the same place. Might be. We're not far off. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll take a, a little a little trip over there and we'll take a look at it. Okay. Okay, so, so those are our journal, our, our readings for uh, the history of. There's not much about Falkreath, uh, which is sad because it's such a pretty place, and I feel like you know they hinted a lot of things with this great war that took place there and the great cemetery, and it's like, what is it? You know, it, you you want more because there's so many of these little hints that are dropped. Yeah, there's there's really not a whole heck of a lot um, that's that's kind of like going on in 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 Falkreath. Um, you kind of like, I don't know, you kind of blink and you miss it. If it had not been for for the map, really, and maybe you know, um, maybe the the town itself, you, you really wouldn't know that you're there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you go. Most of us end up in Falkreath because of the Dark Brotherhood quest line. You spend a lot of time there, but you know, you've got. Pine Watch, which is one of the the large dungeon barrows uh, thieves thing going on, which is kind of cool. Yeah, Pine Watch but, is amazing. Uh, you know, but not many people actually know about it. It's so weird because, like, other than the Thieves Guild quest where you have to go and find the one article, most people go in, they see the, the hut, and they leave without realizing that, you know, you can 
uh, go in there and actually um, hit that switch and go into this very large uh, area. Yeah. And and that's the brilliant thing about Pine Watch, which um, I think I have on my, my map here. It's uh, Anissa's cabin. Is that where it starts? You walk into Anissa's cabin and then Pine Watch is underneath it? Um, no, the Anissa's cabin is, is way further north. Pine Watch is its, itself Pine Watch, is all that it's called. Mm. Okay. I guess I haven't been there yet on this character. Yeah, it's um, just south of where your house is, where you can build the house for uh, um, Hearthfire. Yeah. So, just amazing that that particular um, that particular dungeon, and and the best part about it is exactly what you were calling out was the fact that you walk into this place. It's such an, a small, unassuming little cabin, but if you really, really, really dig. And I, I mean, I'm in first person. I've got my torch out downstairs in the basement, and I'm just looting stuff off this table. And I happen to see just this curious red button. And just yep. as a joke, I I just just moused over to it and I, I tried to activate it. And as a joke, I didn't think like you could do it. Um, boom, it opens up, and and the whole like bookcase right is i think it's a bookcase yeah the bookcase slides over and you get this wind effect blowing you know stuff at you and it's a long tunnel down into a a fairly extensive bandit hideout yeah it's got multiple rooms multiple levels it goes back pretty far in you get the sense that that this that this thing when you finally like crawl out of the other end of this thing you get the sense that you've traveled about a good mile away you know what amazes me is you build your house right over the top of that entire like sub basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you I just should be di- able to like make a, like a pickaxe and you know dig down into Pine Watch from my house. If you <laughs> if you di- yeah exactly if you dig down far enough you'll actually fall into it. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and and I just love that. And, and you're right. I mean, so many people who who just kind of gloss over the details thinking that eh you know whatever it's another building with a with a guy in it they'll some, miss it some cheese to steal right and you you totally miss it and i was just i was blown away the first time i found um the the dungeon underneath pine watch i was blown away cuz i thought once that thing opened i was impressed enough as it was that i i accidentally found what i thought was was just a hidden room and I go yeah. walking down into this thing, and it just keeps going and going and going and going and going. And then there's there's you know bandits in there and and stuff to loot and doors that that you know you can you can open up and and discover uh, treasure in there. I'm like, holy crap, man, this is ridiculous. That's part of the reason why Skyrim is just probably one of the greatest video games ever made. Stuff yeah. like that, unreal. All right. So those are our books for this evening. Um, yeah, we've got uh, yeah. What have we been doing in ESA or in Elder Scrolls? Uh, and then uh, you know some uh, yeah. So so let some me, holidays here. L- let me um, yeah. Let me let me ask you this before we we jump into any of that. Um, I want to ask you this: what 
what exactly what is your favorite hold and and why in in Skyrim? And and I I think it's kind of like um it's sort of like a silly question, but I think once you start answering this a lot of the listeners are are going to be getting like I think actively engaged in 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 this on their own because there's there's a lot to love in Skyrim and and I think some things hit a little harder than others. Yeah, I like all of the southern holds. Uh, so Riften, Falkreath, and I, c- I consider Whitewern as part of that. Um, you know, because the three of them are pretty much connected. And, um, you know, you come out of um, the, the, the opening sequence there as you escape from Helgen. And that uh, ends up being part of Falkreath Hold that you're in. And then you pass into Whiterun, and most of your storyline takes you in Whiterun to begin with. But then, like, you know, when you get up to the bleakness of Windhelm and uh, Winterhold and um, part of Morthal and Dawnstar, to come back down to see trees and grass and flowers always is, like, so comforting. Yeah. And it's very autumnal in nature, you know. It's just nice. I like those three the best in-game. Okay. Um, you can't take them all, man. You got to say one. <laughs> oh my god! Make it me. It's been a long day. I know. Me choose. <laughs> I'm just screwing around with you. Um, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say out there for for me, my my absolute favorite is uh, is Riften. Now, now the city of Riften is probably one of my least favorite cities, <laughs> but the hold, I love the hold. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, every time I I walk through through Riften, it 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 does for me like exactly what you just said. It gives me that feeling of of autumn. It and um, I love the uh, um uh, the uh, the white bark trees. What are they called? They're not called white uh, pine. The birch. Birch. That's it. Yeah, birch it trees. Birch? Yeah, I think yeah, paper birch. Uh huh. By the way, don't ever burn that in a uh, in a fireplace. Oh no. <laughs> In a fireplace, you never burn anything but hardwoods. Yeah. You never Otherwise, wanna... you'll end up with chimney fires. Yeah. <laughs> birch, bad. Do not burn. Yeah, birch is birch. good if you're out having a campfire because you can actually peel parts of the bark. If they're, especially if the paper birch, they're already like peeling away. It's safe to peel away from the tree without and without worrying about killing the tree. And uh, it shreds nicely to make uh, a, a nice little fire starter. There you go. Campfires. Off the record. <laughs> campfire podcast that's right so um yeah that but that is that is uh that's my favorite my favorite hold is is riften now my favorite city is is definitely um is definitely solitude i love solitude white run is always going to be home yep you go to white run and it's just like ah okay you know and, and that's because you've been there, you know, every single time you play the game, you're there. Yeah. Uh, not every single time you play the game do you wander into, you know, uh, the, the other the other cities. Generally speaking, you're going to start being, you know, discriminatory as to where exactly you're going you're gonna to wander um, once you start getting out of the Whiterun area. But Whiterun always feels like home. So, uh, but Solitude is, is definitely my favorite city, but Riften is, is my, my favorite hole that is because of that, that autumn feeling that you were, you were talking about. And now um, do you play with mods? Not really. 
Okay. So, um, not on the new edition, uh, but um, the old, you know, the legacy, uh, what are we even calling it now? The 32-bit version. <laughs> right. Um, there was a mod uh, for Falkreath uh, called, I think it's Oakdale, uh, which is placed on that road that goes right along the southern uh, shore of the lake. Jeez. Sorry about that. And it's like three or four little houses and like some fishing stuff. And it really, you know, it helps bring, because a lot of people, I think, also forget that the lake is part of Falkreath. So if you open up your map, you, you the White Run doesn't start until you actually cross the mountains uh, north of the lake. Yeah, the the southern um, the southern portion of, of White Run here is is definitely this. Um, it, it definitely is this this mountain range here. The northern part of this mountain range is yep. is the southern border of White Run. So all of that lake there is all part of you know Falkreath Hold, and so Falkreath is actually huge. Yeah. Yeah, it goes. Uh, what is this? The Jarrow Mountains? That's uh, that, that... No, the Jarrow Mountains are south of Falkreath, uh, separating it from um, uh, Cyrodiil. Right. That's so. So this here is the. Um, I don't know what those mountains are called. Let's the, see if I can find a, the Jarrows. Uh, a map uh, of uh, that lists what the mountains are. The the mountains that's south in that that does the southern border of of White Run. That I have. I don't even know if that has a name. Yeah, I don't even know if it has a name. Oh wait, it's probably. You know what? Because you've got. You've got north and south Brittleshin Pass, so it's oh, it's the Brittleshin Mountains. Maybe then, they're probably. called the Brittleshin Mountains. That would make sense, I guess. Unless although Pikes Peak is not the name of the mountains, <laughs> <laughs> we're just making shit up at this point. <laughs> I'm trying to find a map. <laughs> yeah. This is it right here that you're talking about, Mike. Uh, Brittleshin Pass. Yeah, it goes from White Run into Falkreath. Yep. Yeah. By going through a, a, um, a tunnel in the mountains, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. And, and I mean, you, you blink and you miss it. Um, there's another pass that exists going from Falkreath into Riften. It's either Falkreath or White Run into into Riften. I'm looking. I'm looking for that pass too. But there's yeah, there's, there's one out there as well. I forget the name of it. I don't even think yeah. I. I mean, I never remember any of the the names really with with this stuff. Be, there's just so much to remember, but I know it's out well, here. That's you know the beauty of you know people have taken time to actually world build. Yeah. I mean, so often, and it's the one thing that that makes me sad is how small. When you consider how big Falkreath, or not Falkreath, Daggerfall, the game was, and then, you know, Morrowind, and then it keeps getting smaller and smaller. The next game, it's like, at the way the landmass is going, you're literally going to be stuck in one city. <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. That'd be <laughs> awful. <laughs> That'd be terrible. All right, so, so, um, as you, as you, uh, you're, you're sort of like finding, finding that information. Um, let's do, let's do a little gameplay. Um, I have, and one of, one of the things I got excited about when I, I realized that we're, we're playing in Skyrim today is, um, I get to show off the fact that I finally got, um, uh, 
I want to say Meridia's Beacon, but <laughs> uh, Meridia's Dawnbreaker. Dawnbreaker. Yeah. Nice. I finally got Dawnbreaker. Now, I had for the longest time. I, you know, I mean, you're, you're eligible for the quest, I think, at, like, level 10. And um, I think I'm standing close to, what, level 30? Yeah, I'm almost, I'm going to hit 30 very, very soon. Um, for the longest time, I was denying myself this this sword because I said, you know, I don't want to get it until I get to level 60 smithing. And the reason for that is so I can unlock Arcane Blacksmith, which allows me to improve magical weapons and armor. This way, when I get... Dawnbreaker, I can start leveling it up. And I don't have to, you know, experience this this long slag, uh, which I always go through, of levels where I have Dawnbreaker and I'm leveling up quickly and all the monsters are leveling up as a result. And at a certain point, Dawnbreaker is not as potent anymore because the mo- I've out-leveled the... I've, the ma- the monsters have out leveled the sword, and I don't have arcane blacksmith unlocked yet. So I go through this 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 long crawl of levels where I'm trying to level up my blacksmithing and also experiencing a low powered sword at the same time. <laughs> yep. And I didn't want to do that anymore. I'm tired of I'm tired of doing that. And and you'll remember this year one of the things I said to myself this year, and I've, I've said this on the podcast was. I want to make sure that I'm I'm adventuring um, almost, I mean, it's stupid to say it, but almost responsibly. I'm not just, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> adventure responsibly. Um, in a way where I, I'm kind of, you know, when I run out there, I'm not just, just going, just spamming dungeon after dungeon after dungeon after dungeon and, and tying myself down to, you know, a ton of crap in my inventory that I never sell, never use, and never get rid of. And that that's that's me. That's what I do in, in Elder Scrolls games. I always do this, and I'm tired of of, of essentially um, of doing that. So so I love I love the dungeon crawl. I absolutely adore it, but I'm tired of of nerfing myself because I'm just spamming dungeon after dungeon after dungeon. So I wanted to get my blacksmithing up to a respectable level and and keep up with it. And I wanted to keep up with my inventory. And I'm really proud to say that I've I declared this like in the beginning of the year and I'm still doing it. Nice. Yeah. I feel like I've leveled up myself. <laughs> now, now I have to ask the question. <laughs> What's that? Did you did you do the uh, the Meridia's cheat? No. Ah, I didn't do it. I didn't get a touch of better than that. Uh, you, 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 you did. You did. You, you got to shoot Dawnbreaker off her pedestal before you enter the room so that you can have two of them. Right. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> You're disappointed. <laughs> I didn't do it though. Um, so so that's that's um so that's one of the things that I've been super excited about to to sort of say on the show now is is that this is I finally have unlocked arcane blacksmithing. I got my dawnbreaker and um I'm just I'm just rocking out and having having a grand old a grand old time. Um also in Elder Scrolls Online I have taken my my tank character, right? And my my main of Arwen. Um yep. He's now a magic a deep. Uh, he's now a magic a tank. I figured 
since I'm a Magicka tank, and this is Elder Staves Online, right? <laughs> let's turn them. Uh, yeah. Let's do. Let's try out Magicka DPS. So I've got myself a, a couple of fancy uh, uh, lightning staves, and I'm rocking out both tank build with appropriate tank gear and a DPS build with um, ever-increasing strength uh, uh, DPS gear. And I'm, I'm going through normal dungeons, and now I'm starting to tiptoe into, into veteran dungeons, just trying to you know level up my gear, get better gear, better weapons. This way I can become a stronger DPS. I've got, um, I've got a, a, a nice build that I like playing with, you know, lightning, um, lightning DPS skills from my staff that, that add a lot of AOE attack. And I'm, I'm also a Templar. So, so Templar skills, a lot of, a lot of single target Templar skills that are ranged. I'm using that. So, so I've got a build that gives me both, um, decent AOE damage and decent single target damage. I've noticed, like, you know, some of these guys who play Templars, you know... I mean, Aiden's and our guild always played a Templar and did huge DPS. So they're they're no slouch, you know? No, they're and not. They don't, they don't have to be just a healer or just a tank. So... Yeah, no, de definitely not. I'm and, glad what? to hear that you're having fun and you're going... You're, you're getting into vet dungeons with this character... Yes, starting to just just now, starting to uh, starting to tiptoe a little bit, um, a little bit into them. You know, last night um, Zephin Zephin uh, and I were doing late late night Elder Scrolls, and I asked him, um, "Hey, do you mind tanking? Because I wanna I wanna you know DPS with this character." And we we did we did back to back veteran dungeons, and it was me, him, and uh, and Monovan. Oh, nice! And so it was just the three of us. We all had a little a little healing on our bars. Um, Zephin was tanking with a uh, with a with a warden staff build, uh, ice staff build, which was great. And um, Monovan was there with a a warden DPS build, and we rocked out and we three manned these these veteran dungeons. Very cool. Yeah, so. <laughs> So yeah, I've been having I've been having great. So that's my gameplay. I've been having a good time with that. Um, what about you? What's uh, did you did you f find the answer to that the the mountains there? No, I did not. Um, I found a couple of really nice maps on Etsy stores and stuff. And, you know, now I'm like, oh, I want them. <laughs> <laughs> Must have. But I did not find the name of the mountains. Okay. All right. Maybe maybe someone will will tweet us the uh, the name. Or we got we got a live chat room here. Maybe some of these folks just happen to know. I'll throw I'll throw it out on the map here, um, real quick. Um, where? Damn it! All right. Maybe I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> here. Oh, L for world map. Okay. It's so counterintuitive. Yeah. I think. Um, this area right here, folks. Okay. And then we're gonna cut over to Mike and what he's been doing in game. This area right here where, where Bleak Falls Barrow is, uh, North Brittleshen, South Brittleshen Pass, Bloated Man's Grotto, this whole, like, mountainous region here that, that is the, the northern part of Falkreath Hold. What is the name of that? What is the name of that? Uh, podcast listeners, if we don't get the name of it by the end of the show, 
uh, simply simply just tweet us at Elder Scrolls OTR. Be happy to. We'd be happy to know. Yeah. Happy to know. Yeah, you know, that'd be cool to know. Yeah, I never. Yeah, I know the the lake has a name. I've never, you know, heard of if that that little spur of mountains does. But I'll tell you this: you get a horse, you go over those mountains. Because, you know, physics, bitch, I'm a horse. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. Um, so, so Mike, on, on to you. What have you been doing in in, uh, in Elder Scrolls? So, I've been playing Oblivion. Um, and do you know the, the quest where you have the two brothers, one that lives in uh, in Coral and one that lives in Chadenhall? And they've been separated at birth? Mm, no. So, if you... Um, Go into the the bar at uh, at Coral. You find this drunk guy, and you hear all kinds of bad things about him, and just he's always you know drunk and loitering and stuff. And then you know somebody's like, "I was in Chaden Hall, and I said hello to him, and he completely ignored me, and I can't believe it. I've known him for years." And so you come to find out that it's twin brothers that have been separated at birth. And uh, when you tell uh, the one who lives in Chaden Hall, he decides he has to go to Coral. And uh, so you find him there, and you know he has this whole dialogue, him and his brother, and uh, it's kind of cool. And then he asks you to, uh, you know, he tells you the whole story about how they lived in the, this uh, estate called Weatherleash, and you know it was overrun by ogres. And can you uh, help him out and uh, go there and clear out the ogres for him? So I went there and I cleared out the three ogres that lived there, and it was hilarious because I had already unlocked it on my map, so I poured it in, which is the stupidest thing you can do in Oblivion. Always port to the neighboring like thing. Uh, so I poured it in, all three of them spawn right there with me. I'm like, oh shit. So there I am running around the building, <laughs> spawning uh, a flame Atronach to fight them as I'm like throwing fireballs at them every time I have a pass and have enough magic to throw a little fireball. <laughs> Took forever, but I finally beat the ogres the brothers now moved in and i go on to do a uh fighter's guild quest i'm like okay this is cool you know it's a nice little quest line a couple travel back and forth across the map and i go to do the the quest and the uh guy at the quest at the 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 guild hall is like there's a dark mage that has or a dark elf that has been uh asking about the brothers and uh, so I go outside, and there he is. And come to find out, he's part of the Thieves Guild. And the father was a member of the Thieves Guild. And he wants me to go and recover this uh, piece that father was supposed to, to steal for the Thieves Guild. And so, like, this little quest line just kept going and going and going. <laughs> I'm like, holy cow. Wow. And, you know, if you tell the brothers, hey, your father was a thief, they get mad at you. And it's like, oh. <laughs> you know, but it has nothing to do with any like guild or anything. It's one of those little quests that just is there and it helps build a little bit of reputation. And uh, uh, it was really cool. I had a good time with it. It took like three hours in the end. Wow, that's a freaking long ass quest. And that's not even like like you were saying. Like it's not a part of like a, a skill or of any kind. Like it's just no, you know, it's just there. And you know. You find it by walking around town and listening to people and rumors. And then all of a sudden it's like it turns into this huge thing. Yeah. What do you think, Mike? Do you think do you think Oblivion overall 
Because we could we could cherry pick this and that. But do you think here it comes, guys? Get ready for it. You know what I'm about to say. Do you think Oblivion is 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 a, a superior game to Skyrim overall? Um, well, you know, I always like to to think back to it was a meme for a while. You know, welcome to the Thieves Guild. We'd like you to go out and you know, fend, or uh, steal a hundred gold pieces worth of stuff before we're going to give prove that you're a thief and give you a quest. Now that you've done that, here's this quest. Break into this guy's house and steal this item. Bring it back to us. Launder it. Go do this. In Skyrim, here's a quest. We'd like you to go into this delve and steal from this Draugr. And while you're there, kill the Draugr. And then come back to us and tell us how it was. And it's like, it just everything was always go into like this dungeon and go kill some Draugr with Skyrim. Versus Oblivion had some really cool quests. My daughter even, she's like, when do we get to do the clue quest? I'm like, what clue quest? She's like, you know, the one where you, you, you get locked in the mansion and who did it? And come to find out you did it. I'm like, oh, that one for the Dark Brotherhood. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. The clue quest. Um, hey, look what I found, uh, Mike. The uh, the Arcturian Heresy. Literally the book you just read a while back. Nice. Yeah. Here here it is in, in game. By the Underking. Ismir Kingmaker. Is this the same Underking from um, Daggerfall? Yep. Heartstrings are being plucked for me right now. You know I love Daggerfall. It's like it's like one of my favorite Elder Scrolls games, and and I know this is heresy. I, this is the second time I'm committing, you know, nerd heresy on the same show. The first time was when we were saying that, um, you know, we don't we don't really like the Frodo and Sam uh, parts of of the two towers. But but look look, I said I, look there. I said it. A lot of you are thinking it, but we said it. All right, guys. <laughs> Not everyone likes. The freaking bromance between Frodo and Sam in the two towers. But um, I'm going to throw it out there, all right? Uh, and Valen, I apologize, all right? I don't like Morrowind. <laughs> I respect it for what it is. I have a deep and profound respect for Morrowind. I don't like playing it. I do like playing Daggerfall. I have a deep and profound respect for Daggerfall. And I like playing it. <laughs> well, after an hour and a half of humping the wall, you know. <laughs> you would think you would think I would hate Daggerfall after forty five minutes of, of straight on podcasted wall humping. <laughs> you would going think. online looking for guides on how to climb up into the second story. <laughs> you, you would think. But but uh yeah, I'm sorry. I just um, most people kind of say, like, you know, my, my favorite Elder Scrolls game ever is going to be Morrowind, followed by, you know, X, Y, and Z after that. Um, and I, I, like I said, I totally respect that. I have a deep, profound respect for, for Morrowind. It's a, it's a game that, that is definitely ushered in what we have today, for sure. It's the modern template of Elder Scrolls games. I will never take anything away from Morrowind. I just don't like playing the game. <laughs> That's just it. Um, but yeah, I love, I really legitimately love Daggerfall for all of its crazy silliness and sprites and, and it's weird ass bugs that'll never get fixed. I really love Daggerfall and seeing that book there written by the Underking just, just, you know, 
gave me the old uh, teenage anime girl eyes. Just, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. so there it is. Um, I've I have I have said the thing. I have said the thing. Um. All right. Uh, where where are we at right now when it comes to comes to show notes? I, I know we, I think we're uh, up to. So we just did gameplay. So now it's this weekend, Tamriela holidays. So, Hearthfire the eighth in Daggerfall. This is the summoning day for Nocturnal. Riglametha, Riglametha is celebrated on the twelfth of Hearthfire every year in Lainland. As a celebration of Lainland's many blessings, pageants are held on such themes as. Oh my God. <laughs> Guarway, when the Daedric worshippers in Lainland were charged, changed into harpies for their blasphemy. First off, I don't think we've ever visited any of these towns that they make up some of these strange ones in, much less the fact that, you know, they make up extra words with extra vowels and letters combined in very strange ways. That, I, think that's, <laughs> I think that's Grawa, G-H-R-A-E-W-A-J. I think it's the J, the W A J that's driving me off. Yeah, I mean, ignore the H, so that's gra, and then the A. <laughs> I'm not sure if the A E makes an A sound or an uh, wait, I sound, an E sound. I before E, except after C when sounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not the same thing. <laughs> and is it in Orkish? You know, and I think the W A J makes like a way sound, so it's. I think that's Grawe. Okay. Maybe. Oh, well, we'll get to it again next year and, you know, don't have the same conversation. Don't Swedes <laughs> write like that? Don't, they, don't, don't the Swedes have words like this? I think so. Or the Norwegians? Wait, isn't it... Uh, which one did uh, Tolkien base his uh, uh, Cinderin off of? <laughs> oh. <laughs> the English. <laughs> No, uh, it's actually one of the the European languages, the Scandinavian languages, that uh, one his part of his elfin uh, uh, stuff comes from. Yeah, that's right. No, the the hobbits were supposed to be the English, right? Yep. And the elves were. Um, yeah. Well, their language was different, right, from everything else. But on the nineteenth of Hearthfire, since we're back in Tamriel and not in Middle Earth, <laughs> yeah, things pronounced normally. Yes. Children's Day in Betany is a festival occasion, festification with a grim history. All know about, all know, though few choose to recall that Children's Day began as a memorial to the dozens of children in Betany that were stolen from their homes by rogue vampires one night and never to be seen again. No. This happened over a hundred years ago, and the holiday has since become a celebration of youth, or maybe youth forever. Ooh. I wonder if Babette was one of the uh, stolen youth. St what do you mean, stolen youth? Well, it's, you know, you figure most of these holidays came out during Daggerfall. Uh huh. And, uh, you know, if it's already. Uh, if the children were stolen by vampires, I wonder. And she was, she's, you know, a child vampire. So I wonder if she was one of the children stolen. Maybe. Maybe. Um, if, if Mark were here, he'd probably have an answer for us, but... Yeah. Alas. 
I am I am both out of lockpicks and a sonarist at the moment. So. <laughs> All right. Um, so we have an email, uh, which which is uh, based on an old uh, challenge that we did a while back. That that comes from comes from Colin, and uh, I'm going to throw this out here for you guys. Uh, submitted for your approval, and Colin says, uh, with the new with the new character. Wait, wait. With the new character you created for, quote, the exception, choose a Daedric weapon that is opposite of your playstyle and use it as your primary means of attack until the next challenge. Colin goes on to say, Deep, in one of the many caves in Skyrim, a group of bandits had taken abode in a large cavern. Oh, I like where he's going with this. After a day of robbing travelers, raiding villages, and doing various mischief, the group of marauders had returned to count their coin and drink their stolen mead. Outside, the sun had set over the Jarrow Mountains, and the moon was rising. As the bandits began to prepare to rest for the night, a cold blast of wind blew through the cavern, blowing out torches and leaving only the campfire dimly glowing. Footsteps come down the tunnel, but... The dim light isn't enough to show the newcomer. The bandits stand, weapons drawn, and stirring, and staring into the dark, while the bandit chief shouts out a warning to whoever had entered. One of the bandits is picked up by a supernatural force and pulled into the darkness. A moment later, his head rolls into the firelight. A tall man wearing ebony armor and wearing a dark hood steps into the light. In his right hand, is a Daedric longsword, and the glowing red light of a spell glows in his left hand. The Blood Knight has arrived. As a bandit raises a two-handed sword to swing at the newcomer, he is picked up with telekinetic force and pulled towards the Blood Knight, who cuts him down with a single swing of his blade. Hurling the body at the other bandits, he charges in, cutting them down and laughing as their panicked attacks deflect off his armor. Arriving at the bandit chief, having slaughtered the rest, he sank his fangs into the chief's neck, draining him of his life force in a matter of seconds. The Blood Knight makes his way to the treasure taken by the bandits and chooses two enchanted items and leaves the rest. As he leaves, a blue light shines from his hand as he casts a spell on the body of the bandit chief, animating it as a zombie servant. As he leaves, the fire dies, and the sight of the slaughter fades into darkness. So I took this challenge and changed from two-handed to one-handed, one-hand spell, using only the vampire spells provided by the Better Vampire mod. It took a while to get the hang of it, but now I find it very fun way, a very fun way to play the character. Looking forward to the next challenge. Colin. That was really well written. Yeah. Wasn't it? Was really interesting. Yeah, I, I found myself like getting more and more interested as I was I was just reading this out. I'm sitting here going, now I want to play a Blood Knight. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so Musclehead's asking, what's the newest challenge? Uh, the latest challenge, let me, uh, we actually have it here on, on the notes, is, uh, is the Forgotten Quest. 
Um, but I want to I want to read it out to you guys. Here we go. New theme, Forgotten Quest. New challenge. Pick any Elder Scrolls game of your choice. Pick a direction and travel to a location you've rarely spent time in. Pick up and complete any quest you either have, you've never done, you've avoided, or haven't done in so long you barely remember it, paying special attention to storyline. So that's the latest. That is the latest one. Um... I've actually chosen to do um, the um, the the um, main quest in uh, Elder Scrolls Online Morrowind for it. Um, one of the original, I, I'm actually doing this twice. Uh, one of the one of the original uh, times I, I started this a couple of weeks ago. I think the first, because I've, I've attempted this in, in different, in various forms and had varying success because some, some quests were just shorter than others. I'm going to wrap this up in a few seconds. Um, was uh, the uh, break by, uh, was the Dawnbreaker quest. I think it's uh, by the break of dawn is, is the name of the quest. And I've completed that. So, so now I'm, I'm doing um, the main quest in Elder Scrolls Online, Morrowind. Um, what about you, Mike? What are you What are you doing for this? Uh, I'm supposed to save the monkey that is an orc, and I keep walking by him and be like, "Oh God, do I really want to save this guy?" <laughs> hey, I can go pick pockets for and make more money. <laughs> I might look like a monkey, but I'm actually an orc. <laughs> Both still fling poo, but you know. <laughs> Both of them, huh? <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, this didn't change. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the one quest in Elder Scrolls. You know, I've completed the Elikir Desert I think three times now, and I've never finished. I've never actually embraced that quest or even started it. Mm. One time, I realized what he was asking for. I abandoned the quest. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> like as long as I don't have to do this to get through the storyline, you're going to stay a monkey. <laughs> And what are you going to stay? I'm going to stay a monkey. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, guys, um, that is uh, that is the end of our show. And uh, we want to um, leave you with uh, with our final thoughts. But but before we we do that, um, this is this is classic Elder Scrolls. It's number 70, number 74 of classic Elder Scrolls. But next week we're recording the, the 200th episode of Elder Scrolls off the record and uh the the feels are are coming strong on this one um we're going to be recording this uh together as a full cast and and some of us are going to be uh together in person for qgn con and some of us are are going to be on on skype um so i'm looking forward to doing this this is um this is this means this means the world to me um and I'm really very much looking forward to it. I know we've got a few folks in the chat room who are who are coming to to QGNCon. Um, Mike, unfortunately, you know you're not going to be able to make it. I I wish to God that that you and Rob were were able to make it. I know it was just you guys were unable to because of work. Um, but we're gonna uh, we're gonna Skype call you while while we're there, and uh, have a proper show with all of us. Um, myself, Liz, Mike, Rob. Mark, Zephin, we're all going to be there on this on this one episode. 
commemorating uh, 200 proper episodes of Elder Scrolls Off the Record. And um, before before we before we jump into that, um, there's there's the day itself is going to be filled with just insanity for me. Um, I'm going to have a lot of fun, but I'm also going to be hurried and and rushed and and tossed around from place to place during this this tiny little eight hour window from 4 p.m. till 12 a.m. which which QGNCon is is going to be. Um, so I want to just I want to just sort of leave off with this. Um, this show has gone through a ton of changes in in the past, and and I know, um, I know everyone's got a lot of nostalgia for for the way it began. Certainly, I do as well. But the show has never been better, and it's it's not it's not because of me. It's it's because of the cast. Um, you guys are fantastic. And to carry the torch um, to, to 200 episodes has a lot to do with, um, you know, me and my, my pushing forward to doing it, but um, has more to do with, with the, the quality that, that um, the guys who, who join me on the show bring to every episode. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll write out the notes and, and I'll do the hosting, but um, it's, it's everyone's input along the way that that makes the show good and and we've we've only increased our our uh, listener base and it's because that right now more than ever it we're we're offering the absolute best quality product that we've ever offered in this entire show's nearing six-year history and i i couldn't be any happier um, and I couldn't be any more blessed. And I, I, I want to just, before things get crazy for me, if I don't have the time to say it, I want to say it right now. Thank you. Thank you to Liz for, for sticking it out with me and, and being a friend when no one else would. And for Rob as well, for the same thing. Um, thank you to, to Mark, uh, for rather Mike. Um, thank you to Mike for, for coming on and, and taking on the mantle of something that was, that was, much beloved and turning it deftly into his own thing um, <laughs> without without so much as boo coming from anybody as well um, and, and by that I mean I mean the lore side of, of the show and and mark as well uh, for for doing pretty much the same thing and and moving it into a space that had not been done before and and so easily and and and, um, and carefully and of course you know to to Zephan who by all accounts has every right and 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 Mike too on this by the way uh by all accounts has every right to act like a complete elitist piece of garbage and and because of the the humility that that he and and of course Mike you're, you're a part of this too has you're able to to take what you know which is a tremendous amount of knowledge about the game and and bring it to to a level that that people not only enjoy listening to but can completely understand and feel as if that they can achieve that themselves. And and Mike, by the way, massive testament to you on this. You've done that by by providing um, in-game leadership for for those uh, to you've sort of held a torch in a guild where where people have said um, I'm here because of the show and we'll never get that that high-end content. You've led the way on your own. And said, "Follow me, guys, and I'll show you how it can get done." You've that's done that. a huge team effort, though. Yeah, it's a huge you know, team I've effort. I've got you know tons yeah. of people that I rely on week in and week out to make sure that we have 
12 people and that people, you know, get the education they need so that we can complete Vet AA two weeks ago. You know, so, uh, yeah. you know, for a, a bunch of people who said, we're the filthy casuals and, you know, we'll never be emperor, we'll never do vet trials. You know, we've completed our first vet trial as a guild. We've completed all the trials on normal. We've got teams that are running vet DSA now on a regular basis. And we have a couple of, of former emperors in the guild now. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And um, and to Liz, uh, for, you know, again, you know, for always, always, you know, being a friend when, when no one else would be to me, um, she's she's kept me, she's kept my feet on the ground and she's kept the show. It's so easy to to start getting getting into that 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 super um uh non-casual uh elitist sort of attitude it's very easy to fall into that and you know it's it's been liz and rob that have kept my feet on the ground and and reminded me from time to time you're like hey guy this is this is the roots of the show and don't stray too far from that you know it's good to have this it's good to have this interesting discussion about how to, you know, build from from where you're at and get better. But don't 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 forget, our show is informational. It's 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 comedy, and you know, um, I think ab- above all else, um, cast wise, I think it's Liz and, and Rob as well that have that have have kept me grounded doing this and, and and all of this added together has made 200 proper episodes fantastic episodes increasingly better episodes of elder scrolls off the record and um i couldn't have done it without you guys and i i hope hopefully i've i've just explained why and um of course to to my wonderful listeners thank you thank you um You've meant the world to me. I know you're out there, whether you don't, whether you you choose to to engage with me or not, um, whether you tweet, email, on Facebook. I know you're there. I see the numbers. I know you're clicking, and I know a lot of you just come out of the woodwork and just say, "Hey, man, you know, been around since the first episode, and just love what you do." That brightens my day. You know, if I'm having a crap day at work. And I get an email like that or a tweet like that. You literally have made my day. I, I can't stop smiling for the rest of my day. And it doesn't matter what kind of shit gets dumped on me for that day at work. I, I just smile all day long. So so thank you to all of our uh, loyal listeners out there for, for 200 episodes. And um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a labor of love and it's meant the world to me. Um, final thoughts. Mike. Okay, Witches Festival is coming up. Make sure you decorate your houses and get ready because uh, I hear that Rob is planning something. Or maybe I'm planning something. Or maybe Avarwin's <laughs> planning something. So, All planning I know is I've spent 350k so far on decorations. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, again, thank you for listening, downloading, and sharing. Uh, we uh, we appreciate you guys uh, reaching out to us on email. Uh, you could follow us on Twitter at Elder Scrolls OTR, and I will see you at QGN Con next week, Wednesday, October fourth. Can't wait. Take care, everyone. Be safe, and as always, may the force be with you.
Usuldar!